Welcome to Books, Books and an Audio Box. Today I'm going to be reading Opal Plumstead by Jack Wilson. Chapter 1. Do you believe in ghosts? Olivia asked. We were wandering through the graveyard trying to find some privacy. Olivia had bought a penny worth of ferrets and toffee chews and we were desperate to eat them. We had to be careful though last week Miss Monkback had caught us sucking Cherbit on our way home from school. He pounced on us from a great height, but unfortunately no more like a hawk's beak than ever. That smacked us both on the back so violently that we choked. I saw Sherbet all down my school tunic. It was even worse for Olivia. She snorted in surprise and inhaled half her packet. She coughed uncontrollably, rife streaming slime dripping out of both nostrils. Day in school uniform, you old cow, little good snacks, Mamty shrieked. She gave us attention the next day, shutting us in it, the classroom, making us lie. I'm disgustingly greedy and a disgrace to the whole school. In our best cooperative hanging writing, she made Olivia write it two hundred times. She gave me an extra fifty lines, cause you of all ghosts should know better, Opal Plumset. I was top of the class. I couldn't seem to help it. And that some teachers like me made me the pair, while other teachers, like Monty, seemed to resent me bitterly. I tried hard to make the other girls like me, but most of them despised me. They considered it shameful to be such a slut. Though, what else did they expect from a scholarship girl? I had been dreadfully alone. Now I had Olivia. She was my best friend. Olivia Brand came to Mark. St. Margaret's last year didn't quite fit into any of the little gangs of girls. She wasn't pretty enough to be popular. She was quite plump so that the pleats on her tunic were stretched out of place. She had a very prominent forehead. She looked as if someone was permanently pulling it hard on her long frizzy plaits. She wasn't desperate. She wasn't from a desperately wealthy family. Parents was a buyer at bees and chambers big department store in town. This meant that Olivia was shunned by the lawyers and doctor's daughter. She was a very young girl. She was very young for her age, liking to play little girl games. When she was particularly happy, she would break into a lumbering skip. She was scornfully annoyed by the sophisticated girls who already had proper fingers and pashes and boys. For the first few days of terms, Olivia had blundered around by herself. She didn't make any overtures of friendship to me, and I was too proud to. It was actually Monty who brought us together, paired us in housecraft, and had us sharing a worktop while we made rock cake. We measured and mixed and together, and I, together, and I grinned sympathetically when Olivia couldn't resist having a sly nibble out of raisins allowance. We ended up having very bland rock cakes with scarcely any flavouring, but we were confirmed friends. Now we went around now we went round arm in arm and wrote little notes to each other in class and walked home together every day. Olivia had been given a weekly allowance. It was supposed to be for books and stationery and ribbons and stockings, but she spent most of it on sweets. She was a generous girl. Shared them consciously with me. Them, um, I didn't get an allowance of any kind and couldn't re- to operate. Never mind, you're my best friend," said Olivia. 
Of course, we go even Stevens. She shook the bag of fairy foam toffees as it was a tambourine until we skirted the church and threaded our way between the grey stones. I like the quaint inscript my stone angels, but Olivia seemed suddenly disconnected. Do you believe in ghosts? she repeated. She was peering around warily, staring at a broken spectacle. Perhaps I do, I said. Shh, let's listen for them. Ghosts don't talk, said Olivia, giggling nervously. I think they might if we're very retentive. Hush now, let's see. I made a elaborate show of putting my fingers to my lips. Olivia climbed up her hand to her mouth to stop herself fluttering. We waited. Birds sang in the tree, repeating the same three trills again and again. Leaves rustled slightly in the breeze. There was a very distant rumble of traffic. Nothing else. And we heard a faint teeming sound. Olivia gasped and clutched me. Did you hear that? She whispered. Listen, I said. Silence, then it came again. Soft and sad yawning. Oh, there it is again. Quick, I pulled that run. I don't like it. Olivia cried. Then she saw my face. You, she said, and thumped me with a statue. Of course it was me, idiot, I said. I hummed again, and Olivia put her hands in my ear. Stop it, it sounds creepy, or I won't share my puppy chewers. That shot me, ejectedly. I mind buttoning my mouth and hitched myself up on a tomb, swinging my legs. All right, I stop now. Come on, I said, patting the space beside me. I'm not sitting there on top of a dead person, said Olivia. Well, they can't do anything, can they? Not if they're dead. I looked again at the broken sculpture, the stony crumbling way. Though perhaps I wouldn't sit on that one. They might just reach out a very bony hand and grab that toffee juice. Stop it, I warn you, Opal Plumser. I'll eat them all myself. Look, look. Olivia sat down the sandy pathway and did a banana chew and stuffed it into her mouth. She crammed in a raspberry chew as well to emphasise her point. You're getting your tunic, filthy. Look, I said. Don't care, said Olivia. Her cheeks were bulging. Let's sit on the grass, I said. How do I know that the dead people haven't wriggled out about a about a bit under the grass. Those the plots are so overgrown you can't cut exactly where the graves are. And Livia wrapped another banana chip. They are my favourite. Sometimes there's only a couple in pack in a in a whole bag. Packs I cried quickly jumping off the tomb. I sat down beside and not caring if I made my own teeth dirty, though I knew Mother would be angry. Olivia ignored me, slowly unwrapping the banana chew, the tip of her tongue sticking out in anticipation. I edged closer to her, putting my head up like paws and making beseeching, panting noises. All right, you wicked little beast, Olivia said, and she posted the banana chew into my mouth. Thank you, I said, chewing vigorously, my whole mouth filled me horsey banana you're such a sweet tea. If you weren't my best friend, you'd be my worst enemy. Just don't go on about T-H-O-S-T-S anymore. I don't believe in go. I don't believe in them. Not really, I said. 
thinking, I think when you're dead, that's it. You just moulder away in your coffin. I pulled a silly corpse face and Olivia showed truth to me again. What about angels? She said, looking up at the stone figures, all of us standing on their white tiptoes, wings spread as if about to fly. I believe in angels. They're in heaven. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure I believe in any of that too, I said. I think it's all a trick to make us meek and good. Never mind if your life's awful now. If you have to toil away 12 hours a day in a factory and live on bread and dripping, you'll be rewarded when you die and go to heaven. And you, what if heaven doesn't exist? Shh, you're dreadful. God might could smite you down right this instant, Olivia, looking up fearfully as if seriously for a giant hand was about to point its way through the cloud and pulverise me. I swallowed the last of my banana toffee tomb and looked at the bag of, hopefully, another, said Olivia. Oh, yes, please. I delved into the bag found a strawberry chewy this time. Well, you don't have to worry about heaven, Olivia. If it does exist, you'll fly straight there. Flippity flap, so good. You will too, said Olivia. You're ever so good. You always come top at school. Yes, but that's because I can do the lessons. That's nothing to do with being a good person. I'm not good all the time. My mother sometimes says I'm a very bad girl. Why? What do you do? Olivia asked, looking very interested. It's not really what I do, it's what I say. I don't think the same way as Mother and Cassie said. I'm always saying the wrong things and vexing Mother. What's the slightest thing? And yet she lets Cassie get away with murder. When I point this out, she says I'm just jealous of Cassie. I've got an unfortunate nature. Olivia sucked her toffee chub. I wouldn't blame you if you were a bit jealous of Cassie, said. I mean, if I would be if she was my sister. I invited Olivia to, but without eternal, eternal friendship. She'd clearly been accepting my sister Cassie to be another version of me, only slightly older, pinched and pale and plain, with mouse coloured hair and little oval glasses. She was taken back in by Cassie, and her all iterating abundance, her long, thick, wavy hair, Big brown doe eyes, her round rosy cheeks, with strong curves, flamboyant gestures, peals of laughter. Olivia stood opposite her at the tea table, totally struck dumb. She could scarcely eat. She gazed at Cassie as if she would turn up musical. I try not to mind. I was used to having Cassie having this effect on everyone. I found I did mind all the same, rather a lot. Hurt that even my best friend was in awe of Cassie. She looked so dazzling that no one else seemed to notice how infuriating she was. The way she acted all the time, widening her eyes, licking her lips, winding a curl round her, round and round her little finger. I saw her practicing the looking glass, peering at herself this way, and that her hand at her waist to inside the curves above and below. No one else saw her first any morning, scratching herself, yawning and sniffling at yesterday's stockings to see if they really needed her washing, sticking her finger in the jam jar when Mother wasn't looking. No one else had jockey to the way she talked. She drivel on about self, debating what sort of shampoo she would use on a wretched, un- 
abundant hair. She congratulated herself on having naturally pearly skin. She told us all about the fine gentleman who whipped at her mindly on her way to a from Balin Aleut's mother encouraged her. She still brushed Cassie's hair for her hundred strokes every night and made little oatmeal messes to apply to her famous pearly skin. Mother tutted disapprovingly of the tales of wonking gentlemen, but he seemed proud of their attention too. You've got the looks that will turn every man's head, Cassie, she said, peering if they were her looks, looks too. But don't you go wasting wasting on that. On the first Tom, Dick or Harry who comes along, you can aim much higher than any local lad. You just bide your time, my dear. No winking back, no giggling in this saucy mark. Can't go getting a reputation now. No one will want a stunner or not. You need to act like a lady at all times. I'm not the slightest bit jealous of Cassie, I told Olivia. I was lying. I found Cassie incredibly irritating and I didn't want to be like her. So lazy and vaccinated, never wanting to read a book or look at a painting. I certainly didn't envy her working at Brandon Atlee's millinery shop, stitching away at the flimsy silks and satins, and having to bomb and curtsy to fancy ladies. I didn't want to be her in the slightest, but in my secret heart of hearts, I admit I wanted to look like her. I didn't want the attention of all the silly young men. I didn't even want mother fussing over me, but I did wish that father would look at me to such helpless admiration as I. He'd always been dazzled by Cassie too, but poor father, poor father was so sad and self-abroad now he didn't look at any of us when he was at home. He kept his head bent and his eyes lowered and he hardly ever spoke. Cassie will come a lovely angel. I can just see in a long white dress with a halo above her gorgeous hair. Cassie's no angel, I said sourly. The image was in my head too. I rummaged in my school bag and found a notebook. I started sketching, showing Cassie with a devoted expression. Eyes wide, lips pursed, a halo attached to her head like a little gold sun hat. I exaggerated her hair, letting it tumble down all the way to the to her bare feet. I drew several young men perused before her, kissing her toes. Olivia peered at my photo and picked. Olivia peered at my page and flustered with laughter. Oh, Opal, you're such a hoot. That's exactly Cassie. You're so good at art. Tell that to Miss Reed. said, I love to draw and paint, but art was my worst subject. I was getting 10 out of 10 in my other lessons but Miss Free awarded me seven at best and nothing gave me a disgraceful nor out of ten. She hated the way I draw. You've got the skills but you don't apply yourself seriously. Art isn't a joke, Opal Plum said, she said. She had some problem with her teeth and always and one always spat a little slaver at you if you stood face to face with her. I did take art seriously, but I hated drawing the barns faces and boxes and leaf sprays. She arranged and still live compositions. I tried to sketch each object actually, but my pencil had a will of its own. 
I executed the vase perfectly, which revealed exotic genie leaping out of it, puff of smoke. I attempted the box and masterpiece is perceptive, but then draw ropes of bees and gold coins spilling from its carefully shaded depths. I managed the leaf sprays, nutting every line in each separate leaf, and then draw a miniature jack climbing up the beanstalk. I groaned for him. I will not have you drawing this nonsense, Miss Reese put it and filled me each time. That she sent me directly to Miss Laura, the headmistress, when I drew the genie, so I pictured him in the lawyer cough, and she felt this was obstinate. Miss Laura lectured me a lamp through the corners of her mouth, I twitched when she saw my offensive drawing. The bright girl opened, and generally worked so hard. Why do you have to be deliberate someone in your art lessons? She asked. I pondered. It was easy enough to do the work properly in all my other lessons. It was if I set a little machine clicking away in my lesson. It told us if the match can't have a problem. And then digging the holes in the field, it passed the passage of English, could trace the rivers and the lakes in Africa without wavering. I couldn't draw mechanically. My mind took over and wanted its own way. I considered trying to say this to Miss Laura, but I knew she wouldn't consider this. I listened to the explanation. I'm sorry, Miss Laura, I said instead. She shook her head at me. Then stop plaguing poor Miss Reed, she said. And you're simply short-changing yourself, you silly girl. You need to get perfect marks in every subject if you want to you seem like an ambitious girl. This is your chance to do better yourself. You don't have to end up as a shop girl or a servant. If she really worked hard, you could even be a teacher at St. Margaret one day. A teacher like Miss Reed, Miss Mountbatten, Miss Laurel herself. I don't want to be a teacher, though everyone seemed to assume that this would be my ideal career because I was good at lessons had the knack of passing in exams. What do you want to be when you grow up? I asked Olivia, I asked now. <sighs> she took another toffee chum through one to me. Mmm, chocolate. I think I'll have my own secret and pouring. Imagine being able to munch on fruit all day long. No, I'm not a man with a switcher. Then I won't have to stand on my feet and serve people. I just lounge on the sofa with a huge box of chocks and be the lady of the house. I have two children, a boy and a girl, and we'll keep several cents too to do all the work and I'll be jolly. You'll be jolly fat, lying all around, stuffing yourself with sweeties, I said, pulling her flat. Don't, Olivia looking for us. Do you think I'm fat now? What? I did think I'm fat, but I knew I'd say so. Of course you not you leafy girl. You're just comfortable. Mother says I'm getting very chubby, said Olivia. She's brought me this awful course at Sunday. Unbelievable com- uncomfortable. I can barely talk when I've got it on. It flatters my tongue a bit, but I bulge out and above and below. It's totally disgusting way. I couldn't even move after I talked to my roast beef and Yorkshire puddings. Does your mother make you wear a crust at best, Philip? I've got nothing to push it up 
or pushed down my bed, throwing up my flat chest and sighing. My mother keeps berating me as if I'm being willfully different in not growing bottoms just because Cassie had a figure when she was 14. Does Cassie wear a corset, Olivia? Yes, but it's not with those really fierce ones. I haven't got proper bones. I secretly tried it on, but it just looked ridiculous on me, and I hated the cloying smell of Cassie on it, powder and musk. Mother says I should be mindful of my figure now. She stopped letting me have second help of anything. She's so mean. I'll swap her for my mother any day, I said. Why do mothers have to be so difficult, Olivia said. I shall be lovely to my children. I shall let them eat their favourite meals every single day, always with second help. I buy my little one an entire family doll and a boy a toy fault with a battling lead of battling of little lead soldiers. I'll play with them all day long while the cook makes some meals in the kitchen and makes all the work. I hope you'll let your servants have their favourite meals and give them the second help too, I said. I'd been to tea with Olivia and observed her family sit single servant, a skinny little mite with untidy hair tumbling out from a cap and dark circles like bruises under her eyes. I'll talk to her asking her name and age when she left school as so just lopsided sandwiches and little scones like stones. She blinked nervously and mumbled for her eyes. I'm James and I'm 13 years old and I only went to school when I was small, miss, because I had helped Ma with the little ones. I was shocked to discover that Jane was younger than us. I went to find more about her. Mom, Olivia's mum was frowning at both of us. Poor Jane's hand started to tremble. She very nearly dropped plates of bread and butter and poured us half the tea onto the tablecloth. She murmured a desperate apology and fled the room. Dear, said Olivia's mum. We unsettled her. She raised her eyebrows and said to me in a tone of gentle reproof. Why don't you use me as personal questions of servants, Opal? At least not when they're performing their duties. I felt my cheeks burn. I was terrified that Jane might be punished all because of me. It seemed such a heartless rule. It was as if they weren't acknowledging that Jane was a girl just like Olivia and me, and yet the whole family made a huge fuss of the two smelly spaniels, catching to them in baby talk, rolling them over on their backs and petting them in a hugely embarrassing way. Olivia had put her arm round me, and when we were ushered off to play cribbage in the parlour, don't take too much notice of Mother. She can be very stuffy, Olivia whispered, and she's really very kind to Jane. She's training her carefully, and she hardly ever gets cross when she makes a mistake. I wondered what it feel like to be James. I knew I didn't want to be a teacher, but I certainly didn't want to be a servant either. Oh, Lordy, there are only two tough shoes left, Olivia. You have them. They're yours to beat, after all. I said, though I hoped you wouldn't take me seriously. No, no, fair does, Olivia, said Olivia. She gave me one banana flavour and popped a strawberry juice in her own mouth and she bit hard into the remaining toffee. Careful, mind your front, front teeth. You won't get that husband of yours if she got a grip. 
gap in your mouth, I said. Here, let me. I had a go at serving the sticky toffee and was more successful than Olivia. Both chewed happily. What about your husband? Olivia asked. What will he be like? Oh, I don't think I want one. Don't think I want one. No, I don't think he'll be contental at all having to flap around after a man. No, I'm not that keen on man. Anyway, I said, trying to sound sophisticated. Well, until you fall in love, said Olivia grinning. I don't believe in falling in love, I told her. I don't believe in love itself. I think it's some comfort story for adults. Children get to believe in fairies and Father Christmas, and adults believe there's one true person out there. Your eyes meet, and that's it, you're in love. But it's true, of course you fall in love, said Olivia. Look at Romeo and Juliet. You see, even boring. See, even your boring old Shakespeare believed that. We were studying Shakespeare at school, but in the city, bold eyes version considered suitable for young lady. I taken a proper volume of Shakespeare tragedies out of the library and had learned many passages by heart because I thought they were so beautiful. I chanted them at Olivia when I went to Tornoya. Shakespeare's writing was potentially Romeo and Juliet's beautiful because of the word ridiculous as a plot. Takes over in a matter of days. We just both fall in love so passionately, and they that they risk everything and die for each other. I said scornfully, "You don't think it's like that's real people?" Asked Olivia. No, I don't. So why do so many people have sweethearts? Because the young men desire the young women. I said kindly. I couldn't stop myself from pushing. I have a very clear idea what sweethearts did when they desire the complete needed Olivia. I knew that we whispered and giggled over the conjuring kitchen many times. We both got the giggles, choking over the last of our toffee chew. There's more to love than that, Olivia gasped at last. Have you ever felt or swooning over someone? No. Not Mr Andrews, Olivia suggests slyly, smearing out a sweet rapid. He was our music teacher and he was tall and dark. He told us stories about the tormented composer and painter's extracts from their work on his Edison phonograph. I did like Miss Andrew very much. Go on, I bet you kiss me. You like to kiss Miss Andrews, I said. That settles giggling. Certainly not. I think how that moustache would tickle. Anyway, Miss Andrews got a wife. I see her and she seemed very fond of her. There, with my wife with herself each of us silly. Olivia, twisting each of her toffee papers round her little finger, turning them into tiny glasses. They're fond at first, that's the passion, but it wears off. Don't call our parents, Olivia, your mother and father and mine. We thought Olivia sighed, looking desperate. Well, I'll love my babies, even if I don't always love my husband, she said. Let's drink to that, she said. She gave me a toffee rack glass and we touched them together pretending to drink and Olivia consulted her bucket and watched cribes look at the time we're going to be in trouble we stood up and ran health skelter after the graveyard all the way to our respective homes now that is the end of chapter one of opal plum said read by 
Grace, Lydia.